This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, Lifestyle Editor for The Pulse, and joining me today is Miles Danhausen, Content Editor for The Pulse. If my intro seems a little bit off its rhythm, it's because we're kind of in a different uh, seating arrangement than we've been in forever. We're starting to move the podcast studio around a little bit. We've been hunkered down in the conference room for all of the last year, and we're still here. We're just in a different arrangement, and it's amazing how doing even the smallest thing differently totally throws off your routine when you're doing something like this. Yeah, it's a very different uh, look and feel. I don't know how I'm going to operate for this one. It's, it's weird. Like we're, it's a sign of things returning to somewhat more normal. Another step towards it with like, okay, we actually need the conference room again. <laughs> People are right. coming here. Yeah, me and Miles are closer to each other than we've ever been, both spiritually and physically. <laughs> um, so that's weird too. But uh, you know, I we'll, you're going in a different direction there. We'll, we'll get through it. I, uh, if there's anything weird with the audio because we're so close together, just you know, forgive us. We'll iron this out in the in the weeks to come. But. Uh, we have some fun stuff to talk about this week. I want to go back in time a little bit to start. And why don't we give listeners uh, just a preview of what we're going to talk about. We almost never do this, I, I think, as a way to get people to keep listening all the way through because they never know what we're going to talk about. But I feel like there are some people who are like, eh, I'm done at the 15 minute mark without knowing that we were going to talk about something even more amazing after that. <laughs> yeah. So. We're going to talk a little bit about Fall Fest, the Soapbox Derby. We both had a really good time doing that. The room tax numbers for July are in, and uh, it was a record-breaking month for room tax. That'll be interesting to kind of break down. And then you had a conversation with A.J. Dillon. Who is he, and what did you guys talk about? A.J. Dillon is the running back for the Green Bay Packers. He's their backup running back, uh, the second-round draft pick from 2020. And, uh, yeah, we we got a chance to get about 10, 15 minutes with him on the podcast this week to talk about his love of all things Door County. Perfect. Then why don't we jump right in and talk a little bit about Fall Fest. This was a, a cool Fall Fest for me. I got to partake in more of the festivities than I have in the past. Generally, I've just gone on Saturday and got the parade and then kind of left kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, I was there for a lot more of it, and I got to talk to a lot of the nonprofits who Fall Fest is really their number one fundraiser for the year, the Sister Bay Lions Club, the VFW, the Snowmobile Club, all sorts of different people who really like this is a great weekend to get together with the community, but it's also the weekend that funds the majority of their coming season. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to talk to them. Uh, and then I also got to hang out for the first comeback edition of the Fall Fest Derby, which was on Sunday, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was such a cool event to be a part of. I mean, it helps that it was really beautiful on Sunday for, for the, the third day of the festival. But yeah, they Fuzzy Sunstrom and Louise Housen did a lot of work to bring the, the long lost Derby back after like 20 years um, without it after, I think that's due to one kid or a couple of kids getting injured in the Derby. So um, I think they were scared to put it on for a few years, but they brought it back a little, little smaller ramps so they don't go quite as fast. We put hay bales down the, the highway to, to keep a nice cushion border, kind of like a Formula One race is how I would yeah. say it looked. 
Well, and it was the the racers were were very uh, very much like the Formula One racers too, very serious, very intense. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. I, w- I want to share my perception of the event. And I'm sure my perception is totally different from yours, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that in yeah. a second. But it was really cool to see this. Like we talk about Fall Fest being a celebration of the community, right? Mm-hmm. And when you go there, you might not think that because there's. 10,000 people in the streets yeah. and 10,000 people don't live in Sister Bay. Right. So you, you tend to think that it's more something different, but that, that morning when the Derby was getting set up, it felt like a celebration of the community. It, you saw generations of Door County and Sister Bay residents coming together, kids, parents, grandparents, all coming together under Fuzzy Sundstrom's mentorship. I don't know Fuzzy very well, but seeing him in that role and knowing his legacy in Sister Bay, it was cool. It, like yeah. as, as an outsider, I was even able to feel that sense of community that was coming in. And I wanted to get your perspective on it because... You know, I thought it was neat to see these kids with their parents who had ridden in these soapbox cars 20, 30 years ago. But you also know those parents and, you know, went to school with many of them. Mm-hmm. What was that like to see that generation coming back and doing something that you might remember having seen 30 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I kind of had the same impression as you. And to me, it solidified kind of an argument against some of the people who hate Fall Fest <laughs> or who will complain about all the people and they say it's just like, oh, this is all just. A money grab. This is just greed. And you know, if you walk around Fall Fest, I, you just see so many locals. You just see so many of the business owners busting their tail, but also having fun, finding that two hour they can take a break from their tent and go out and visit everybody else, say hi, have a drink, have a brat, have food from somebody else. And on Sunday morning, you know, meeting meeting Fuzzy down there at eight thirty nine in the morning, he comes like Fuzzy tends to do, just with a bunch of random tools and whatever he has in some of one of many storage barns or something now that he sold his property at Little Sister. And he's got these ramps that he built for this. And he's got one of the old soapbox derby cars. And then down the hill comes Brett Anschutz with the old Sister Bay Bowl derby car. And then here come the Sequists and they have their old derby car. And you like, you're talking Anschutz, Sequists, Fuzzy Sundstrom. You throw Dick Burris in here helping us put this thing on. And then Gene Sundstrom. And you really can't get more local than those names, right? So here it is, Fall Fest Sunday, middle of the highway, doing something cool and doing it for the kids. And it's all like the most local names you could possibly think of. And so my, my impression was similar to you walking away from that. I'm like, this is just so neat. And for me as, you know, a, a generation after those guys, and if I'm being generous to myself, I'll say two generations after, but now it's probably one. Um, it's just really cool to just be there and, and kind of work with them and this thing and see how they do this and have them be saying, this is how we used to do it. And, and mentioning like, oh yeah, and Brett Antrich rode in this car. And this is a car that, it says Jordan on it because Jordan Gonzalez rode in this car. And I don't know, and Cole Sequist is putting his son in the car that he was the last one to ride in. So all those things were just a just really nice dose of nostalgia and also bringing that nostalgia back into a, a new safe way to do it. Well, and the, the other thing that I thought was really cool is it did marry both of those ideas, right? The, the small town community celebration and the... I'll use your words, touristy cash grab. Um, <laughs> it, it marries both of those because not only did you have this really beautiful morning where all the locals are coming together and chatting and catching up while their kids are getting weighed in for the derby, but then when the actual derby started, you had a bunch of locals, but tourists as well, lining up down the road to watch the race. And you had people like 
cheering for the kids, a bigger crowd than they would have had otherwise. Oh, yeah. Cheering for the kids. And as I was walking <laughs> up and down. Several hundred, if not thousand people. Yeah. Watching this thing. Well, and as I was walking up and down, hearing like murmurs of people who were starting to pick up on the storyline that was happening too. Avery Burris was the only girl who competed and she ended up winning. And as I was walking up and down, I was hearing people being like, is that a girl? Did the girl, is the girl winning? <laughs> like I kept hearing them following the storyline without even knowing, you know, who she was. But it was this kind of cool thing where people bought into it, even even though they didn't know the names of the kids necessarily or have any connection to this town other than, you know, coming and hanging out. They bought into the event and made it really cool for everybody. Yeah, that was I, I love seeing the people cheering, getting loud. And I got impromptu. Uh, Louise Housen had asked me to emcee the event. So, you know, just saying a few things and getting seeing like the crowd really get into it and get behind the the young kids and cheering them on. That was, that was pretty cool. I'm like, I didn't, I never had a moment like that when I was seven years old. I'm like the, for the, where you're out in the middle of your whole town and they're all cheering for you. I'm like, that's gotta be so cool for them. And of course, Avery, Avery, all the kids were cute as hell. Avery Burris was just like amazing. She was adorable at this race. And like, I don't know if you have the audio that you can pop into this here. Yes, you have that, I'll, but... I'll plug in. Uh, I'll plug in your interview with her after, at the winner's circle. Avery, tell us what it felt like to win the first Fall Fest Derby. Well, the first comeback edition of the Fall Fest Derby. Really good. <laughs> Was it scary driving the car down the hill? Did you hit the speeds you were hoping to achieve today? Yes. <laughs> and what does the sloth tell everybody here? What What message do you want to give your fans and this huge crowd here today at Fall Fest? Even though it's slow, it's very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Avery, thank you so much, and thanks to all our participants today. We're going to do a trophy presentation over by the starting line by Fuzzy, so going over, you get a trophy. Give him a big round of applause for Avery Burris, the sloth. The other thing that I really enjoyed is talking to the racers and starting to learn the little storylines that were popping up. And you'll have to help me with some of their names, but Avery was an easy one, right? She had the sloth t-shirt on, the sloth mm -hmm. painted onto her, her derby car. So she had this really great character right away. But then uh, two of the kids who showed up were actually brothers and they were competing against each other. Mm -hmm. And I got to interview them and I asked them like, what is that going to do? Is that going to throw you off? Or are you guys competing against each other? Like I thought it was going to be like, I don't care if I win as long as I beat my brother kind of thing. But the kids were so cute and they were like, actually, I hope my brother wins. I hope <laughs> that he beats me. I just want to have fun, but I don't think I'm going to beat my brother. Yeah, so, the kids always surprise you. Yeah. So, like, there was just a lot of, uh, there, there were storylines from these kids to buy into. You, you could take it really seriously and have a really great time, and I think that everybody kind of did. Yeah, and I, I'm really hopeful that it follows through what I heard from a lot of parents, and I had kids coming up to, to me and to Fuzzy saying, hey, how do we how do we get in this next year? We want to be in this next year. So, um, we're going to need some more businesses to sponsor some cars. So, <laughs> I'll definitely be putting the word out for that. Um, Fuzzy did an amazing job just kind of, like, scrapping this thing together. He literally went and like rebuilt some of these cars in the weeks leading up to the event and like put the sister Bay bowl car back together with like black duct tape to make it look decent yep. and stuff for the kids. So, well, that's the other thing. I hope there is more buy-in from the businesses because we're going to need more cars. These yeah. ones aren't going to last another couple races. <laughs> yeah, right. They're already 30 years old. Yeah. And, and fuzzy shows up. He's even got like this old metal heavy scale. So it yeah. was very official. They had to weigh in and put the right amount of weights on these things. And I'm like, yeah, only fuzzy would even know where this stuff might be and 
and have the like wherewithal to go and dig it out. Right. Well, and you made the the allusion to like Formula One racing. It did feel kind of like a little mini pit crew with yeah. Fuzzy like <laughs> drilling weights into the cars yeah. and like helping kids swap their tires out before the race. It was it was very cool. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you always thought Fall Fest was just about Saturday, if if this thing can keep coming back. Um, I mean, even the fact that like Steve Calms comes down the hill with his big hay, hay bale or a truck full of straw bales and, you know, the whole parks crew, a few of us guys working on the event, other random dads hopping in and just and dads and moms hopping in and just like, all right, let's get these straw bales out. And so you're just going through town, putting straw bales right down the road, right before the event. Another, you turn around and here's another guy who just went and got a, a, a leaf blower and he's clearing it all off for the runners, like, or for the riders, um, yeah, everything about it was great, and so next year I would I would encourage anybody who sounds the least bit interested in this, but even if you're not, like it's just it was just fun. There were people sitting on their porches. There's people outside the hotel door on their balconies, cheering on the kids who they have no idea who they are. So yeah, great event. By the way, hotel door, what a great place to watch Fall Fest. Yeah. <laughs> you'd have like the perfect vantage point. Maybe not a great place to sleep on Fall Fest, but a great right. place to watch it. If, if you're going there for that weekend to enjoy that, I mean, you've got built-in seats for the parade. I heard a rumor that they may already be sold out for next year's Fall Fest. Oh, I don't so doubt it. I mean, it, uh, Kind of a, a cool little vantage point. I was hoping that Luis would get some of the some of the rooms up top so that the film crew could just hang out up there yeah. and get aerial shots. A weak move, Luis. I know. Maybe next year we'll we'll put some more money into it. We'll see. <laughs> so speaking of lots of people, Miles, the word on the street is there's too many people up in Door County. Well, we have room tax numbers from July. Are there too many people up here <laughs> now that we have the data for it? Well, I I sent you a note about this. I I look at the the July numbers and they were up. And they were record high numbers. But there's a lot of um, interesting points within those numbers to take away from it that are maybe not as, as obvious as just simple like, hey, there's more people as all these tourists that are filling all these hotels. Um, right. So that's the headline that people are going to respond to on social media. July yep. had record room tax numbers, more yep. people than ever. Let's break down what you found was interesting as you kind of read in between the lines. What, what made up? Maybe I'll just change the headline on on Facebook and have it say something like, "Hey, let's take an int- like a deep dive look at numbers." That will yeah. interest people. Sure, people <laughs> love math. Yes, they really get into the nuance of it. Um, right, I'm going to take a nap. You wake me up when you're done. <laughs> um, but I really get into the nuance on it anyway, so this will be fun for me. Um, I think so. The the number of nights filled. So you can look at the gross dollar returns, and that is one indication. But that obviously changes with time, inflation, and it's heavily in, impacted by just people increasing room rates. So the dollar figure doesn't tell you exactly how many people are here, just says they're spending more money here. Right. Or to, to reiterate in a simpler way, the amount of money raised by room tax does not directly correlate to the amount of people in rooms. That's a much better way to put it. Thank okay. you, Andrew. I'm trying um, to break it down for everybody who's just like got one ear open still. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The... So we had about 113,000 room nights filled in the month of July. There are not that many nights in July, Miles. I don't know if your <laughs> math is correct. Across every hotel. Oh, okay. Every hotel gets a night. Thank you for that clarification as well. So that's a big number. It's about 6,000 more than 2019. And I thought that would be the obvious comparison. But then I was like, well, I better double check and went back to previous years and actually found that in 2017 was the highest number of room nights filled 
that we've seen in the history of our room tax collections. And it was 112,000, give or take a few. So we were only 1,000 room nights filled, which equates to less than 1% increase in the number of room nights filled for the month of July as ever before, which is still a lot of, of room nights, but like the percentage-wise, it's not actually that much bigger, which I think would surprise a lot of people who think it's astronomically busier here than it's ever been. Right. It's a little bit busier than it was in 2017, for instance. Yes. But- it doesn't feel that way. It feels a lot more busy, but there's other factors to that, right? Yeah. So as we're just talking about this a little bit in the office, there's a couple things. Campgrounds, which I'm still trying to get the the number for people on the number of campgrounds there are now versus, say, 20 years ago. And not number of campgrounds, but campsites. So, I, for example, I know that there have been a few added to Peninsula State Park over that time. There is a new campground in Liberty Grove. The campgrounds in Bailey's Harbor all added significant numbers of sites. Beantown Campground was added in the last 20 years. So there's more campsites, which means, but those aren't recorded in any of the room tax data because you don't collect room tax on a campsite. Why not? You just don't. You're not providing room, I guess. So, so the campsites aren't there. And obviously it doesn't count day trippers. And you, you could put a, I guess you could put traffic counters, but you never know how many of those are just, think about the construction now. So many construction workers and so many of our, all of our workers have to come from outside the county now to service Door County. So that'd be hard to get a visitor number based on that too. So, but, so you have the campground stuff that is a factor. You also have the fact that now a much greater percentage of those room nights are vacation rentals. So I'm saying the average hotel, I would guess the occupancy is for a room night filled in a hotel is somewhere between two and three. I don't have that. I don't even know how I would get that number necessarily, but uh, I think that's a, a fairly accurate guess. Maybe it's as high as four, but I would doubt that. And I'd base that on years of cleaning rooms. The average occupancy for a vacation rental home is going to be a lot higher than that. Let's say it's at least four, probably higher than four, maybe six some cases 12 in a house. So, but then that house is charging a lot more money. So a room night at a hotel is, let's say $250. The same vacation rental home counts as one room net as well, but you might be paying $800 a night for that, for that house. So that's where those numbers get a little skewed. So that makes the average daily rate go way up. And it also makes kind of changes your equation for trying to judge the number of visitors that are in the area. So that's one factor. And then there's a third factor is the census just came out and it shows that Door County's population has increased for the first time and it's increased significantly for the first time in 30 years. Aha. That's where they're all coming from. It's all locals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Door County's population grew from about 27,500 in 2010 to about 30,000 in 2020. Yeah, and all of those extra people live in the streets of Egg Harbor and Sister Bay, right? <laughs> yes, they are all at one barrel now. Um, sorry, Peter. The The bulk of that population, we don't know exactly where it is, although I've been told only about 500 of that increase is in Sturgeon Bay, so that gives about 2,000 more people in these Northern Door communities, potentially. Some of that might be in the rural areas of Southern Door as well. But even if you just allocate it to the whole county, it's a 9% increase in population in the county. That's that's big. That's a lot more people using our roads. That's more people. That's one reason why you have more restaurants and other businesses open year round than you did 10, 15, 20 years ago, or, or even businesses that were open year round. Now they're open more days year round. So that, that is a, a, a factor in this too. It's not just as easy as people saying it's all these tourists who are 
taking up my spot in the restaurant, who are making me wait in line, who are clogging up our roads. It's other people who have moved here. And when you, when I say moved here, I mean, anecdotally, I could probably give you a list of 10 people off the top of my head who moved here in the last couple of years, who just like me moved back here, who were from here originally. So I know some people would say like, oh, they don't care. They don't really count. It's like, well, they were born here. They spent 20 years here. They moved away, went to college, and now they came home. That's what we've been begging people to do for the most of the last 20 years and thought it was impossible. We're finally actually getting some of that boomerang. Right. And now we're complaining about it. Or I shouldn't say we. That's a broad statement. Some of us are complaining about it. Yeah. So it's a more nuanced discussion to be had. Like, not that we didn't know that already. But it is interesting to see that, you know, yes, July seemed wild. And it was wild. But... Not necessarily, like the numbers don't show it being as crazy as it may have seemed like it was, especially when you correlate it back to just that 1% increase from 2017. But then again, maybe people in 2017 were like, I can't believe how many people are up here. <laughs> well, well, there wasn't that, I'll tell you that. Um, but I think there's an anecdotal thing about this that makes it seem crazier than it is. And that is, take Sister Bay, put a beach right in the middle of town. So you, every day you see hundreds of people congregate, which is what they did it for, but it makes people feel overwhelmed by it. And all these restaurants used to put their 200 people or 400 people or the 700 people who eat at the Sister Bay Bowl on a Friday night, they were all inside and now they're outside and everybody sees them. And it just like adds, if you take all those people and just put them inside restaurants, which is what we used to do, your streets don't seem so busy. It actually seems a lot less exciting. I think it's much better to live here when they do seem busy. That's a sign of a vibrant community. Any urban planner in the world would tell you to encourage that to create a better sense of community. But it also, in the minds of a lot of uh, people who live here, I think maybe it's overwhelming in some sort of uh, anecdotal aesthetic way in their head of like, oh, there's so many people when it's just because it's almost like a, a feng shui thing where some people like to have everything in a box. Yeah. And they can't stand it when it's just out on the table. I think that's maybe what it is with some of the tourism. Yeah, I, that actually is a really interesting point. You know, it might not be that there are so many more people here. It's just that we're seeing the people who have always been here more because yeah. they're outside more. Maybe part of that, too, has to do with how every community has had major, like, road reconstruction and added yeah. sidewalks. And Fish Creek and Ephraim are both way more walkable. So you're seeing people taking advantage of that and walking. Right. Same people that used to come in and, you know, hang out down at the settlement shops in Fish Creek or, you know, maybe were parking and going right into the business. Now they're parking and walking the whole street. You just see them more. Right. That could be it too. It all leads to the perception of something, but it, it, it actually isn't that thing to the same extent that it maybe feels or looks like it is. And there might be a good thing about that too in that, okay, we've made these villages all more walkable. We've made m much more places nicer to walk. That means not just that it's, and I talked about this with Pam Seiler on the podcast earlier this week, is it doesn't just mean that it's better for people to come here and visit and take advantage of those things. It means that we see a lot more of our neighbors walking around their town and being healthier and enjoying these things too. Um, when I walk around Sister Bay, I mean, you can't go very far without getting honked at or talk, stumbling into somebody you know who's another local resident. Yeah, I don't see that. Nobody's <laughs> honking at me when I'm walking up and down the street. It's because we... We have to do a live event so they know you're the podcast guy, Andrew. That's true. As soon as people hear me, they're like, hey, are you the podcast guy? And I'm like, yeah. It, it actually weirds me out when people come up to me sight unseen and are like, hey, are you the podcast guy? I'm like, how would you know that by looking at me? <laughs> the, the, the ads. It's the ad. That's true. That's true. I've been in one of the ads. 
So you've seen me there. Um, I, I did have my first ever email about somebody who was like, hey, I loved watching those videos that you did all last year. And I was like, cool, the one guy who watched them all. Thank <laughs> you so much. I really appreciate it. So all of the math nerds who listened to the first half of the podcast, you guys can leave now and tell the sports guys to come back in because now we're going to talk about sports. Right? <laughs> yes. All right. I'm going to go. And uh, you can tee up your interview with A.J. Dillon. All right. Now we have an interview with A.J. Dillon, uh, the backup running back for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, those who have followed him on social media or if you haven't been under a rock like Andrew all summer long, uh, you probably know that A.J. Dillon has taken quite a liking to Door County. He's been posting from all over the county uh, for the much of the summer. And uh, he was kind enough to join us and give us a few minutes and talk to us about why he's fallen in love with the peninsula. Okay, AJ Dillon, how are the guys in the locker room feeling right now at five and one? Now that Aaron Rodgers has claimed full ownership of the Chicago Bears, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't think anybody uh, really, really saw that until we got back on the bus, and uh, you know, social media started going crazy, and we're like, oh man, you know, only, only twelve could say something like that. But I mean, you know, the the energy in the locker room was unreal. You know, anytime you can come away with a win in this league is a big deal, and especially when you're doing it against uh, an NFC North rival, it's huge. So. That was big, great win for us, great team win, and you know we're definitely we're excited. Yeah, you guys are rolling now, and you're rolling all over Door County. It seems. <laughs> Take me back to draft day. You're coming out of Boston College. You're from Connecticut. You get picked by Green Bay. Yeah. What's going through your mind? What yeah. do you think in Green Bay, Wisconsin, is like? And did you uh, did you know anything about Door County when this happens? Yeah, uh, I knew nothing about Wisconsin besides that they had Madison, the Badgers. I got the phone call and I'm sitting there, and it wasn't Green Bay that popped up on the caller ID. I want to say it was like Appleton or somewhere else. And I'm like Wisconsin, like Appleton, like what team is there? I'm trying to like figure it out. I'm like, oh, it must be you know Green Bay. I got on like coach the floor. Like I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but you know, obviously, super excited to get drafted. You know, be part of such an amazing organization. Uh, you know, we celebrated that night. And then the next day, as soon as I woke up, I think I watched like two, three hours of like Wisconsin and Packers tradition videos and things <laughs> like that. And then two days after that, so three days after I got drafted, I moved out to Green Bay, uh, middle of the pandemic, didn't know anybody, couldn't go into the facility, couldn't interact with any of my teammates or anything like that. Oh, man. And, you know, the rest is history. But yeah, but I moved straight out here, got right in the thick of it. And, you know, I really loved it. And so how did you end up discovering Door County? You said you want to be the mayor of Door County one day. You've you've obviously had a great time yeah. up here. How did you even get introduced to the peninsula? Yeah. So my uh, now fiance actually uh, introduced me to Door County. Her family has a place in Egg Harbor. And so I forget what it was. I think mid, uh, what would that be, summer? last year or early fall and we went up there and you know she kind of sat on me around um i really enjoyed it and then this year we've just consistently uh you know gone out there and had great memories with their family and you know a bunch of people out there so it's been an unbelievable experience for me door county hasn't always been known as a place for you know young guys to come up and have a ton of fun and, and really enjoy it you know there, there used to be a, a saying up here that often for the newlyweds and nearly deads kind of thing so uh, what is it that you love so much about Door County? I mean, it's a bunch of small towns. It's definitely not the city life that a lot of uh, NFL teams have. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not, uh, you know, the city life. I don't think really there's much of that, I guess, like in Green Bay or, or Door County. But, 
you know, if you sit and you like, if you can appreciate what Door County, what Green Bay does have to offer, that's where you really, you know, start having great experiences. And uh, I think just myself, you know, I'm a family guy. You know, I've always thrived in family atmospheres and things like that, where the community is all together. And you know, that's what we have here in Green Bay. And uh, of course, in Dark County, you know, all those small towns, you know, obviously I mentioned Egg Harbor, but Fish Creek, Love Fish Creek, Sister Bay, you from all those, it's just always a great experience. And you mentioned like it's not a place for, uh, or known as, I guess, for like younger people, but I mean, summertime up there is awesome. You know, you can go to Husby's, you can go to Bayside, there's so much activity to do and walk around, just have a great time. So, you know, I've been up there and my fiance and her siblings and stuff, we've gone out there. And made tons of friends from just people traveling in and from locals and all types of people. Yeah, I mean, your social media feed this summer almost looked like a hired social media influencer ambassador for Door County. You're getting wings at the AC <laughs> Tap. You're on stage with Unity at the Garage Bar, grabbing the guitar, uh, getting photos with all of our favorite local bartenders up here. I know, I know the community has really embraced it, and they love seeing the pictures of, of you rocking Door County shirts from the Bayside or the Tap and things like that. <laughs> Are you are you getting any kickbacks from the county yet? You know, I've, I've talked to I don't know exactly who I need to talk to. You know, I, I realize mayor. I guess mayor is you know it is an actual political position, so that one might be hard. But you know, I could be honorary mayor or like ambassador <laughs> of Story County, or or just get a really big key and I'm just wearing around everywhere. <laughs> the key to the key to the count. But you know, I've definitely had a lot of fans and you know people from North County in the area, you know, supporting it on Twitter. I, I know there's some people that have been saying Dylan for door and good catchphrases for my mayoral campaign. <laughs> so it's been really good. And you know, I've talked to I've been to AC Tap a bunch of times now, so I've been in there and talked with the owners. I've had people go to Door County and they'll go to like Sturgeon Bay for the weekend. I'm like, hey, like AJ Dillon said that up in Bailey's Harbor, AC Tap is the best wings. And they'll go drive all the way up there <laughs> just, just to get them. And uh, they'll, they'll tweet at me and send me a picture, and you know, which is awesome. You know, I just have really been, you know, really enjoying it. You know, it's something I'm growing to be really passionate about. I really do enjoy the time up there. It's kind of, you know, a getaway from everything and just relax, you know, really just interact with the community. Well, the, the folks at the AC Tap, they got to be loving it because that's one of our classic <laughs> dive bar, great food, great like dive bar food there. And, uh, You've definitely given them a lot of love. They're they're kind of for the listeners who don't know, AC Tap is on Highway 57. It actually isn't in one of these towns too. So you really got to know it, and you got to drive to it. You got to be going to the AC Tap. You don't stumble by the AC Tap. So <laughs> your your tweets about their wings have been huge. And I know, uh, like when you talk about being mayor or getting the key to Door County, John Kunis said you're going to have to fight him for it. Are you guys going to throw down for this at some point? Maybe, maybe. I have never uh, met John or anything like that, but from the stories I hear, you know, he seems like a really great guy and everything. But, you know, yeah, I'm just waiting to, waiting to get my key and, <laughs> you know, see where it goes. Well, there's only so many around. Kevin Harlan definitely has one. His dad has one. Sam Decker's been working on his. <laughs> like I said, John claimed his. Curly Lambo used to actually have a house in Fish Creek, so he got one back in the day. Mm. But uh, I'm not sure if Mike McCarthy or Mike Sherman ever earned theirs when they were up here. But uh, I think you're well on your way. Building blocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> step by step. You know, and, and if, if the season keeps going as it is and as you keep progressing like it is, I think it might be easier for you to get that key to the county as, as, as the play continues to improve. <laughs> What's the biggest thing for you, a little football talk here, season number two, 
you come into the NFL and it's in the midst of COVID. How different is it this year versus last year to come in and, and actually be able to interact with fans, have fans in the stadium and become more entrenched in the community, but also just the football experience for you? You know, it's a, it's a world of difference having fans back and having fans out there. As long as I've ever played sports, as long as I've really ever done anything where I'm performing in front of people, uh, there, there's always, you know, an audience, there's always some kind of crowd to feed off of. And, you know, even when you're playing Pop Warner uh, football and all, the only fans out there are parents, you know, they're still cheering you on. They're still booing you in some cases. And, uh, you know, you feed off that, the positive and the negative, just that energy. Um, and anybody who says that, you know, the crowd doesn't make a difference, they're lying. <laughs> you know, and so it was awesome for for me to go this year and run out to a full Lambeau field. I've heard about it, I've seen videos, but you know, nothing can really replicate just the passion and the intensity that our fans provide. And it's honestly, it's honestly something I couldn't put into words. Uh, I know it sounds cliche, but it really is. Like you talk about the best fans in all of football. I really do believe we have that here. And, you obviously see that for a home game in person. And then even the away game, the away games, mm-hmm. we'll hear go pack, go chance and the whole stadium is rocking. And, uh, you know, that's definitely something you, you can't take for granted. And it really makes you want to, you know, just keep fighting and keep fighting for those yards. And once uh, you want to get those wins because you got so many people out there supporting you. So definitely feed off of that. What about for you? What has changed in year two from um, an on-the-field standpoint? I, you know, you had the big touchdown reception a couple weeks ago. You're looking more comfortable in the passing game. What's been the biggest step for you in your second season here? You, you seem to really come on at the end of your rookie season, and it seems like it's, it's just continuing in year two. Yeah, I think as the season progressed last year, I started to get a, a couple more carries and a couple more opportunities just to be on the field. And I think uh, I mentioned before, like the NFC Championship game, although it didn't you know, end the way we we all wanted it to, that was a game I really felt you know confident. I, I really felt like I knew what I was doing. Um, you know, I belonged out there, uh, et cetera. And so I kind of piggybacked off the, that this year. And, you know, I'm still working. I'm still trying to be the best running back I can be out there and, you know, help out the team any way I can. But I'd definitely say the biggest thing is just, you know, just growing that confidence. You know, you see it all over sports and it's just, you know, being able to, you know, embrace the moment or just be out there, stay positive through the ups and downs. It, it's, it's so much going on and it's really good to, you know, when that game kind of slows down and you're like, oh, I know this play. I know what I should be looking for here. I know this. It really helps you calm down. So just building that confidence week by week has really been helping me out. All right, AJ, good luck the rest of the way this season and uh, good luck continuing your visits uh, and your efforts to earn the key to Door County or or become the mayor, depending on whatever race you want to run for. <laughs> Yes, sir. Thank you. If that you challenge me to a race, I mean, we can still, I can still do a forty too. <laughs> we'll do it that way. All right, AJ Dillon, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's running back AJ Dillon of the Green Bay Packers. Thank you to AJ Dillon for joining us and giving us a few minutes of his time as they prepare to play the Washington football team this weekend. And thank you all for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. We'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.